This episode of Wishers Breakaway is brought to you by Game Time. If you've been tuning over to the last couple months, you've heard all about the Game Time app, and that will continue to use some serious cash and last-minute tickets to sports, concerts, and all types of shows. Going to a Ranger game sometime soon? Why not use the Game Time app? Game Time is now hooking you up for the holidays with $10 credit. Here's what you do. Download the Game Time app at the Google Play or the App Store. Click My Ticket section on the app. Create an account, and then under the billing section, redeem the code THEATHLETIC. Once again, that's the athletic. It's all one word for $10 off your first purchase. That's free money, people. Credit is only available for the first 1,000 people who redeem the code, and it expires at the end of the year, and that's December 31st. I believe that's today. So make moves quick and score last-minute tickets. On to the show. Here's Mark Messier. Hi, everybody. It's Mark Messier, and you're listening to Blue Shirts Breakaway, the number one Rangers podcast. Hey, Butcher Breakaway fans, welcome to another week of the Butcher's Breakaway. I am your host, as per always, Ryan Mead, and I'm here with my co-host, the wonderful, the mysterious, the illustrious, the chirping, Greg Kaplan. Greg, say hello. I'm just hiding behind a Twitter account. That's it? That's all I'm doing. Listen, you are you are an apostrophe, or a, what is that star thing called? Wow, we're off to a hot start. An asterisk? <laughs> yeah, great job, Rye Guy. Masters of the English Language, Deep Analytics Podcast. Greg and Ryan only care about the numbers and describe to you with great command of the English language exactly the happenings of the New York Rangers. Welcome to Blue Shirts Breakaway. Um, you and I had a very interesting weekend for different reasons. I think uh, the reasons for you is that Tony D'Angelo uh, could possibly come on this podcast in the future. Not tonight, of course. Um, he's probably enjoying his holiday season and his Eagles win. And uh, I said that Austin Matthews, uh, by the way, his name is spelled with an O, in case you're wondering, Austin, um, which I am terrible at spelling, and you do that. I I said he wasn't a clutch player, and then he scored uh, literally a second after I said that. So that was pretty nice. We've both had really great weekends. Sure. Sure. Um, How how should we even start with the Tony D'Angelo, I guess, weekend? Uh, People were surprised that he was... Uh, being himself on Twitter and riling people up. Um, and also he had a quote to our good friend Vince Mercagliano saying, uh, pretty much backing up Strom once again, which you and I have said multiple times we have no problem with. And actually, we prefer he do something like that. So where do we even start with Tony D'Angelo in general and how the fan base should view him? Because honestly, I think he provides us a lot of different entertaining takes. And I enjoy the... Uh, the riling up he does to most of the fan base. If um, I'm sitting back here, just as a for an entertainment standpoint, I'm into it. I'm not here to legislate how anyone should be a fan or how they should view these guys. And I think we've been very consistent from the jump. Uh, and I apologize for being sick. My body is betraying me before the new year because that's how you end a decade. Well, um, and you know what? This is this is what we do. You just play. You you play through it. You play grit. That's next, right. This is this is this is my flu game. Next basically. next man um, up, and it's Gregory. <clears throat> I, I'm not going to tell people how they should feel about Tony. I I don't like when people tell me how they should feel about Tony. Um, I don't like that either. I'll I'll just straight up. I, all I can say is how I feel about the guy, which is uh, I find his on ice antics hilarious. I I think I, the the funniest. The funniest part about the entire tweet that apparently pissed Tony off like no, nothing else in this entire world is the tweet itself wasn't making fun of Tony D'Angelo. No. It, I I was sitting – I'll just paint the picture. I was sitting down in a recliner watching Sunday football for the final time this year with all my friends here in Albany. And, uh, a nice Sunday afternoon. And I just I, – I'll, I'll tell you what I told them. It's – I, I'm just shocked that Tony D'Angelo didn't think he was an asshole. <laughs> like, because the tweet, the, the tweet that caught his attention was making fun of the fan base. And, and it is. It's just, like, I don't know how many times you guys can see Tony do stuff like that. And I'm going to call him Tony from now on. Because yeah, because we're, we're, we're really close friends, friends now. Yeah, he's yeah. a recurring we're, guest. He's not even been on right, yet, but absolutely. Right. But I, I just it I, I don't want to I don't want to have a, a sweeping generalization of just like Twitter culture mm-hmm. or social media these days. 
but it's there is a portion of this fan base that allows themselves to get surprisingly angry every time someone does exactly what you kind of expect that person to do. Like Tony D'Angelo is going to defend Ryan Strom. Ryan Strom is breaking out of a prolonged cold streak where it was funny that none of us were having a conversation of what do we do with Ryan Strom long-term when he's not putting goals in the back of the net for 17 game periods. Um, and then all of a sudden he's, he gets six points in two games or whatever he has. And now we're once again relitigating, well, what kind of long-term extension does Ryan Strom, what is he worth, blah, blah, blah. It's just like, man, I, I wish we were beyond falling for these we are not beyond size traps. We are not. Just positive or negative, right? Because it's like, as great as these last two games were, how were the two games before that? And it's just, we let our emotions swing on a pendulum more so than anything else in sports. And we've seen it once that Tony will defend his boy. So we can't act surprised when Tony's coming out supporting his boy again. And look, Tony's not doing anything any of us would. Well, if someone attacks you, Ryan, I'd probably laugh. No, because right? that's our relationship. Listen, you you definitely have joined in on the attacking before, but there's been some times when I've been attacked where you've been like, uh, uh-uh, uh, only I attack Ryan, and then you sure. you went at somebody because else. So. Like because we have we have a relationship, and at some point I know that. When someone needs to clap between you and I, I am the clapper. You you are more of the I'm just the passive participant, and I'm the one that will call you an asshole if you act like an asshole. That's very much um, who you are. I agree. Which is which is like if if Tony and I sat down and had a conversation over a drink, we'd probably get along surprisingly well because neither one of us would bring up politics. I don't I don't hunt on a daily basis for the for the political takes. I don't talk about politics all the time with my friends. I get enough of that shit at work. I don't take work on the road with me. So it's like, in a way, Tony and I are very similar because they're, in my group of friends, people would probably consider me the asshole in the group. I can confirm, and, as sources close to this situation. Yeah, yeah. But you guys also expect it from me. So it's not like I'm being an asshole just for the sake of being an asshole. It's just like, Every group of friends needs the guy that's willing to do something you yourself aren't willing to do. Sometimes when and you do it, it brings up healthy conversation, and other times it's just who you are. If you yeah, you provide you, you provide a, a viewpoint that someone else usually doesn't provide. It's just it. I'm just gonna note that the two times Tony has now clapped at Ranger Twitter users, one of them was. For a chart that was actually supporting Ryan Strom's underlying numbers, and the other was yes, I called Tony D'Angelo an asshole and meant it. By the way, like I'm not going to back down <laughs> no, from that comment. I think we but would say it. To calling face, calling right? him the asshole was to to point the finger at Ranger fans that just they get surprised that it's someone that everyone else would call an asshole, and then he does something you expect an asshole to do. And it's getting angrier that he's living up to your expectations. And that, that to me, is the thing that drives me up a wall with uh, the chorus on Twitter every now and again. It's just, it, you, you know, other things, other things that fucking annoy me on Rangers Twitter. I'm just going to – airing of grievances Therapy at the end session. Of the year. Let's get it all out. End of the grievances at the end of the year. It's my festivus. It, it's, it's becoming kind of like the anytime Lamar Jackson does anything good – People being like, oh, people wanted to think that three people wanted him to be a wide receiver out of college. Just, just not a real story. Any anytime Artemi Panarin does fucking anything, everyone's like, oh, he's like they they start doing the meme saying that people were calling him overpaid. And oh, I'm we're so to, out on that. You know that, right? I'm out on it. Like yeah. maybe maybe three people were saying it, and maybe bitter Islander fans were saying it, but like. Anyone who knows anything about hockey knows that the Rangers, if anything, got a discount on Artemi Panarin. Somehow. Like, he should be making more. He sh- it's just – I was just about to say, he guys, probably we get, should be making we get it. $13 million. We get it. Legitimately. He's really fucking good. Yeah. He's really fucking good, and he should be making the maximum amount of money allowable. It's just like, God damn it! if he scores 100 more points this year, am I going to have to hear it 100 more times about how he's just fucking overpaid, blah, blah, blah. And it's the, like, uppercase, lowercase, uppercase, lowercase, uppercase, lowercase. It's like, we fucking get it. Guys, we get it. Like, 
pick a different fight. And honestly, I am all for shitting on Full Tilt slash Forever Blue Shirt slash Big Fucking Chigs Media. Shit on them all you want. But can we retire the work on your game kid tweet about Mika Zibanejad? Yeah. Like, they've said worse things. Find the other worst thing. If you want to bring up the pacification tweet, do it all the time. That's Fucking a good, that's a good go one. for it. I'd be friendly that with that. That tweet recently. is so unforgivable that it should be posted online once a day. We talked about yoga but, yesterday. It was nice. Yeah, just like <laughs> I, I just I'm not I, kidding. I did talk about yoga Mika, with Mika. It's great. It's just Mika's great. Yeah. He said something stupid. I don't I just get annoyed that it gets brought up all the time. The pantification tweet, bring it up. Shit like that deserves to be put on blast. For the rest of time. Work, like, the work on your game like, tweet. God damn it, guys. It's like whatever at this point. I just. Old, old man yells at the cloud. We're stunned that the old man yelled at a cloud. Why are like, we surprised? I guess is my we should We expect that shit from these people. Also, and then it's, I've it's, said dumb it's, stuff. It's, it's the thing. It's, it's getting upset when you expect to be upset. And now you're just getting upset for the sake of saying you're upset. And that literally benefits nobody. Not even yourself. That's just outrage culture, though, right? In general, like yeah, okay, it's stupid. We're we're, it's we're, stupid. we're all angry. I just I'm done with being angry. I don't know if you've noticed. I'm just over it. I'm just like, but the, like, the, and the, again, that's just that's the funniest. Like, the funniest part about me being uh, about Tony person. Gate. The funny part about Tony Gate to me was just like, hold on, did Tony not think he was an asshole? Like, I thought he had more awareness than that. I thought I thought there was a rhyme or reason. No. Hold on. The shit he said. I'll, I'll defend Tony a little bit here because he knows he's playing coy. He has to. But I'm not. I'm not sure because <laughs> he either, has to. I, there's no way. I think Brendan Lemieux knows. He, and I think this is why. This is why. Like Lemieux definitely deep down, knows. Because a couple people slid obviously into our replies as soon as they saw that we were bickering uh, like children on Twitter, and people were like, "Well, this is why I like Tony." It's like, well, actually, this is why I love Brendan Lemieux. Uh, and I wish Brendan Lemieux was the team asshole, but I like the whole Tony Strom stick stick to me is hilarious, and it's 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 hilarious on a couple levels. One, it's just like I would expect this from Tony D'Angelo, and two, it's just like it really makes you sit back and think to yourself, imagine I I, I just I can't imagine a scenario in which like Noah Syndergaard would come to the defense of Steven Matz because someone thinks his fifth is bad. Like, other sports, this is only a hockey problem where this entire thing would happen. Hmm. It's like baseball. I think baseball, other sports, it, well, in baseball, no way analytics. But in football, yeah, I believe so. I don't I, think so. I think I think players obsess about their pro football ratings. Their hmm. PF, I, I, I think football, football, well, I know football Twitter, there are portions of the fan base that think, just like literally leather helmet football goal. Um, but I think players themselves the for the most part are incredibly smart and basketball for sure. Like literally the entire NBA well, shoots threes now. Because NBA. Someone told them it was valuable. NBA like three years ago, no one believed in analytics. And now if you don't believe in analytics, you're not allowed in the league. You're just not. Yeah. It's just, I just, I can't think of a scenario where someone like, it wouldn't exist where an NBA player would come to another NBA player's defense because they think their PER is too low. I just but like, the whole point, like, is is Tony's back and his boy because the way the way Tony looks at it, they just beat the Leafs and the Canes, two of the better teams in the league, and he's like, "Why are we shitting on my guy Ryan Strom, who's the best locker room guy here? We're kicking ass right now." And I just so that, scored, I just got an overtime goal to win. The the part the part I missed was I, I took Saturday off from hockey. It was my buddy's birthday. Yep. We went out. We did some things. Yep. So I, I didn't. I didn't watch any hockey. I watched more college football that day than I did anything else. Yeah. Uh, I know Strom had a big game. He did. And I, I saw online that of course, the big game led to the well. What do we do with Ryan Strom in the future conversation? Even though we've had it. I made a joke. I like, knows how five, many times. Five point five x seven. Like that's never happening. But you know, it's just. Uh, right. No. But so the conversation, and as soon as that conversation starts happening, then you get the factions on on Twitter being like, "Well, this is exactly when you trade." Ryan Strom when his value's at the highest. It and other is, people being like, I mean, it is. Um, and it, it, look, I, I the Strom conversation is, I, I don't want to relitigate it. I don't want to do it, but I will say this. On one hand, yes, Artemi Panarin probably makes every player he plays with better. That doesn't minimize the fact that 
Panarin is clearly having a significant impact on Panarin that is taking his game to a level we honestly didn't think was possible. Which is crazy to think about because we just made this whole conversation of, like, the guy's not paid enough, and suddenly he's become better than we even thought he could be in the first year he's here. So we we legitimately have a top five player in the NHL for the first time outside of, I mean, Henrik always, but, you know, positional offensive defensive defensive player uh, that we – for the first time since uh, a very long time ago, Yager. So now there's there are two ways there are two ways to look at it, right? Mm-hmm. There's the one way that I think the more analytic side of the argument would hey, say is you know, we're a big uh, analytic podcast. Is what we do. Not anymore. Because oh. we're boys <laughs> with so fuck, fuck. Hey, Matt, um, get out of here. Any anyway, there there you you can say. Well, Panarin would have this impact on just about anyone, so we should minimize the impact it's having on Strom in terms of what we should look to do with him long-term and try to maximize that impact in terms of creating Strom into a more reliable asset or multiple other assets that could be as valuable as Strom is individually. That's one side. Then if you wanted to look at the more – I. I was going to say I testicle because I, I like Oof. what do you like? It's analytical. You know what? That's what it is from now on. It's I, analytical and I testicle that the, these are the two sides of the argument. I'm not hearing anything else. So anyway, analytical analytics. and I testicle. Got it. Here's the I testicle side of it. Mm-hmm. it like, right. Appropriate. I understand. Children, friendly for children podcast. <laughs> fuck kids. <laughs> Going to 2020, fuck oh, it. Oh, great. Sponsored by Roman and or uh, fucking Trojan. Roman is the sponsor know. today. There you go. Get it up for Roman, everybody. Uh, <laughs> mostly just the men. Anyway, um, there. Uh, like, what's the thing you always hear athletic. about when someone when someone posts a chart that they don't like what's saying? Well, the numbers can't quantify everything, right? And it's just like the the one thing in baseball, as analytical as it's become, like. There is no statistic because – there's no statistic for clutchness because really there is no such thing, right? It, it's a bunch of random events that get grouped together, and all of a sudden we decide that 10% of those analytics are now clutch. It, it's meaningless. It doesn't mean anything. It is what it is. But what I do think is important is chemistry, and it is clear that Strom and Panarin have a chemistry that we would not be able to guarantee Quantify. a replication no, not even quantify. Guarantee a replication of just because Panarin is great. Like, there are scenarios where if you put Panarin with, I don't know, let's say Brandon Lemieux for the sake of using a different player. It doesn't mean Brandon Lemieux. It doesn't mean Lemieux is going to um, produce at the level Ryan Strom is right now just because he's playing with Artemi Panarin, right? Not every player that plays with Panarin will become great. So it's... Well, point in case to to your case, Gregory, Kako had a like a run with Panarin for a while. It was him, Mika, and Panarin, and Kako's production was very limited, like incredibly. So that's it's not just Strom legitimately has chemistry with Panarin, and even if Panarin's Panarin is inflating Strom's numbers, that doesn't mean we shouldn't maybe look into keeping him around at a reasonable price because well, he's 26 years old, right? Hands up, he's going to age with Panarin. Maybe if he, if he signs for a price in a couple years, that'll happen. But Panarin right now is making him millions of dollars every single game he plays with him and he scores. And it's kind of pricing him out of staying a New York Ranger. So I'm curious just to see – I mean, we're going to find out all the answers in February, right? That's that's the big date for us, the trade deadline. And I wonder no, – no, no, Well, not it's funny. It's funny that D'Angelo stands up for Strom so much because, in a way, those two guys' long-term futures are the exact same story in different scripts because one's a forward and one's a defenseman, right? Like, I don't think either gets traded at the deadline this year. And I think it's more likely that one, if not both of them, gets dealt before or during the NHL draft. And honestly, if I had to bet, I think it's Strom who stays with the Rangers moving forward. Um, but it's those the, the great thing about those two guys when it comes from building a team standpoint is no matter what the New York Rangers do at the trade deadline this year, they have their rights for next season. The problem for the Rangers is by having their rights, they will both be making more money next year, to which we both say 
get your fucking food. Go get your money. We're big get paid boys. Oh, we're we're a giant. Every player deserves to be paid exactly what they're worth. Because if, if not more, if Ryan Strom thinks he can go get seven million dollars a year, I encourage him to go. Taco do bless it. him for real. Would, because I would I would just it. encourage the, the New York thing. Rangers not to do it. But I would I would love for some other team to be like Ryan Strom. Here's the bag. Congratulations. I think Ryan Strom could um, legitimately get five point five. I'm not kidding. I think that's a, that's that's in the conversation for him. I think. <laughs> you okay? Excuse me. Are you gonna die? No, I am dying. I've made this perfectly clear to you before we even started podcast. That is correct. 20 minutes left. Um, Ryan Strom is going to make at least – he makes 3.1 this year. He'll enter one more restricted free agency year next year. He's going to make at least $4 million. That is without a question. Will he probably ask for five and a half in arbitration? I would assume so. The Rangers will probably say four, and because hockey arbitration is stupid – they'll settle somewhere in the middle of the four and a half, the 4.75 range. The reason why Strom and D'Angelo to me are connected at the hip just in terms of how to build a team moving out in, in salary cap sports, never pay your role players. I can't be more emphatic about it. The only way to survive and be competitive on a year in year out basis in the national hockey league is you don't, pay your role players. Well, let's, whether, let's look at other teams that haven't paid role players and have only played elite players, the Capitals, the Penguins, and somehow the, these guys find guys off the scrap heap that pretty much replicate the production of their role players, if not, I mean, come very close to it. They, they, they've never really paid, like, big-time role players. They've only paid their pieces that have won or helped them contend for championships. That's it. So if we paid Ryan yeah. Strome for five years and he was on the books for five years, I mean, that's sort of the Brady Shea problem at this point because we don't know where Shea, what Shea's going to end up being in the next couple of years. He's been uh, an on-and-off participant of this season. Some days he has no, games. No, but you, bet, you bet on Brady Shea because when you locked him up, he was young and trending upwards. Correct. So that's, you, that's why you bet him. And, he wasn't a role player you, at that time. You, he was a core. When you locked him up, you thought he was part of your core. Exactly. We know exactly what D'Angelo and Strome are for the New York Rangers. They are – Good role players. Winning teams need Ryan Strom and Tony D'Angelo. And teams and, that want to win the Stanley Cup need those guys. The problem with where the New York Rangers are, which is something we've talked about multiple times mm-hmm. in this podcast, those guys are not ready to be the role players for the core the New York Rangers want to win with. That's their problem. Their problem is not that they're bad. Their problem is not that they will make too much money. Their problem is they are imper- they are perfect pieces on an imperfect roster but those guys would be Reinstrom would be a perfect middle six forward for a team like the Edmonton Oilers this year so it's just funny well, the that Oilers once again are having they traded him a couple yes uh, i was going right. to say Ryan Spooner shout perfect, out to Ryan Spooner right now because he's, he's not playing he's in the perfect league. he's perfect for those teams tony d'angelo is perfect for a team He's basically – I get that they're not paying Kevin Shattenkirk any money this year, but he's like low-budget Kevin Shattenkirk for winning teams. It's so like if the Lightning didn't have Shattenkirk, Tony D'Angelo would be perfect for them, which, again, is why the once upon a time the Lightning used a draft pick on Tony D'Angelo. But you get the point. Like these are guys – on the New York Rangers, they're going to look like – even they're going to look like shiny new pennies because the Rangers have – the Rangers are trying to clean so much shit off other things and develop their own young pieces at the same time that you're putting Strom and D'Angelo in positions for them to succeed just because you're going to give them so much more minutes than any other teams would, which then opens up the rest of the league's eyes to these guys. Well, this is, but by doing so, this you're goes back increasing... to the, the, the showcasing theory I've talked about for many, many times. It's... But this isn't even showcasing. Like The Rangers are not showcasing Ryan Strom. The Rangers just don't have a better option. So when you don't have better options, all you do is wait for someone to seize the opportunity. And that's what Ryan Strom is doing. If Ryan Strom was struggling this year, the New York Rangers wouldn't be trying to shoehorn him into the lineup to get him more looks. We'd be, we would have seen a lot more of Brett Howden in the top six. We would have seen, hell, we might have even seen more of Leas Anderson than on the fourth line. Maybe doubtful. 
but it's possible. Reinstrom isn't a guy. The Reinstrom isn't a guy the Rangers are showcasing. Reinstrom just isn't a guy the Rangers have to worry about. And while that might seem like an attack on Reinstrom, it's not. It's a compliment. It just means that he's good enough and has enough chemistry with Artemi Panarin that he's going to succeed. So now we can just worry about other things. But the problem is when it comes to paying that guy, you're not paying for fourth, uh, middle six Reinstrom anymore. Now you have to pay a guy to be a top six forward when that's just it, – it's not who he is on it's, a good team. It's probably not – I mean, and we could be wrong. We've been wrong about players in the past. It's not sustainable the way Reinstrom plays. I mean, if you played with Panarin no, all those times. The thing is, it probably is sustainable when you put him with Panarin. That's what but I'm it saying, just, yes. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense from a team-building standpoint at this point in time for the New York Rangers to be committing Artemi Panarin to specific players and to be committing significant years and money to a guy who is enjoying his 100 games as a New York <laughs> Love that tweet. But it's just... It's just the stupidest thing in the world. Congratulations on playing one year plus 18 games, Ryan Strom. Didn't realize this is something we need. Are we going to do a tweet when Capo Caco plays in his 50th game of the year? Probably. Congratulations, Capo, number 50. It's a round. Of, of um, many that will be happening in the future. No, yep. no, no. It's just like I can both enjoy the, – the the Chris Crowder conversation is so different from the Strom and D'Angelo conversation because those two guys will be New York Rangers – when you get to the NHL draft. Chris Kreider will not be. He, so Kreider, it's all about finding the most value for him now. Well, I, he's doing a great job of increasing his value. I think he's uh, come to maybe to terms that he's getting traded or he's trying to force him his way to getting a contract from the Rangers. Despite, I don't know. He's just a, dude, he's just he, a fucking streaky player and he's on a hot streak. That's like, I, also Kreider. This, You're right. This, this, once again, is just Chris Kreider. Like, we've gone through this dance so many times before. He turns it on for like two weeks, and he's like one of the better players in the NHL, and then he's just invisible and then he for either, a whole month. he either gets injured or he gets in a, a two-game slump, gets in his head, and then tries to push it too hard. Speaking like, of pushing it too hard, Bruce Nevich, yes. Uh, it's, there's been uh, – there's so much to talk about, especially with the Rangers right now. We haven't even talked about Brendan Lemieux's broken hand. Um, and we're already. I didn't realize he, I, when the game happened. I didn't realize he broke it. I I didn't realize it either. We were both there. We had a great time. And if you met with us, thank you so much for stopping by. It was unbelievable. One kid called us his idols. Yeah, that's disturbing. I'm sorry, buddy. That's, I'm sorry. First of all, first of all, I was told to get a life and called a nobody by Tony D'Angelo, so I cannot be an idol. Yeah. Um, but it's fine because that's just one asshole's opinion. Uh. I, just, I, I can't wait to be, like, good friends with Tony. It's going to be a great I think podcast. we already are. Like, I, see, you're not familiar with how assholes talk to each other. Yes. Like, it, it – we didn't even – I'm familiar with how you talk to me. There, there were a couple <laughs> things – there were – well, you're not an asshole. You're just you shit. There's a big difference. Okay, that's true. Um, see? I'm used to I it. I just thought it was funny. I thought it was funny that Tony felt the need to, like, fucking censor himself. So he put the fucking asterisk and carrot instead of the two S's and asshole – He's like, ah, I'm going to call him an asshole. I think so I'm not going to say the three letters. I think he was so trying to not, not get actually. in trouble with the Rangers in that case. I think he's just playing coy. Just, just, that's just funny. I, I, fuck it. I found the whole thing hilarious. It was a great day for the brand, so I don't give a shit. Brent, but, so uh, Brandon Lemieux, so let's do some Ranger hockey, and then we'll take some questions. Yeah. Um, Brandon Lemieux broke his hand. He's going to be out, I believe, four to eight weeks is what I saw. Is the... I, probably, I think it, no, it's three to four. From what three I to four? Okay. It'll Maybe. be a month. It'll be out a month. At least. Um, if you're expecting to see Vitaly Kravtsov, it is not happening. Um, nor should it. No, um, nor should it. He had a, a great game in Hartford. And I believe he was playing last minutes of, a, of a, a very tight game. He was finishing out the game. I think he even scored the game-winning goal, Kravtsov, this week. So you will not be seeing him. He'll be developing down in Hartford. Uh, we called up a player who I'm blanking on currently who played three minutes versus the Leafs. Imagine, yeah, Steve Fogarty. Steve Fogarty, yes. Fine. Yeah, like imagine like being the, the captain of Hartford, playing your heart out, finally getting your call up, and then playing three minutes. Awesome. Great time. Uh, I think I think Fogarty is just fucking thrilled to be in the NHL. I'm out of. I think the last he person to talk about so. his minutes is Steve Fogarty. Yeah, he's like he's in the NHL pension pensions system now. Like he's yeah, good. That's true. He's going to be set for a very long time. You're right. Um, it's a good thing. And then uh, another questionable decision I had uh, was Brendan Smith got sat against the Leafs because uh, his his play has slipped. But do you know what that means, Gregory? When Brendan Smith sits, um, and who plays the penalty kill? It's Mark Stahl. 
So Stall plays it anyway, though, dude. It's not like Stall gets put on it because Smith doesn't play. I know. It was just like, like Fox. Fox got put on it because Truba took a penalty and Smith well, Fox wasn't, is wasn't like dressed. literally the best defenseman we have. Yeah. So, so it, what, Brendan Smith sitting like if you th- if the thing you're angry about like, again and it's 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 like it's checking your priorities. Mm-hmm. I don't really give a shit what Mark Stall does this year if he's not taking ice time away from young kids, and as long as Lieber Hayek is hurt. There's no one clearly that Mark Stahl is draining ice time from. So if you're going to play Stahl, fine. This is like the one time it's acceptable to play him. Sitting Smith because the, all of a sudden the Rangers' penalty kill becomes worse, I don't really care. You don't? Like, yeah. The, no, because the Rangers are good. Like, you, I only care about shit like that when I expect the Rangers to win on a nightly basis. My first four concerns on a nightly basis with the New York Rangers is not – Will they win this game? It's when you're rebuilding, I'm paying attention to individual storylines before I even pay attention to whether the New York Rangers won or lost the game. It like, yes, they beat the Hurricanes and the Maple Leafs. No, they didn't look particularly good doing either of those things. The first period looked really good versus the Leafs, and then they got absolutely manhandled and still managed to win it in overtime. Like it was very bad last two periods. Quite no, but like. Saying shit like, well, if Brandon Smith isn't on the penalty kill and Mark Stoll is, then what are we doing? It doesn't fucking matter. It really doesn't. Because the New York Rangers are not going to make the playoffs, and they're not going to win the Stanley Cup. So individual game decisions like that, it, what are we doing? The, the, this is what I was yelling about when I called Tony D'Angelo an asshole. Like, this this shit is all relative. It's any time the Rangers go on a little bit of a win streak, the entire fan base is like, oh, my God, it's a boner. What do I do with this boner? It's like, they happen all the time. You're a dude. They come and they go. That's what it is. Right, At the end of the day, you're not going to have any sex. Hold that thought. I hate to tell you. Hold that thought. Let's go to an ad. Hey, friends. I think you know, but I'll just say it. Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. And usually we brush it off or blame ourselves. Saying things like, hey, I lost my mojo, or we avoid altogether with excuses like, I, tweet, I tripped somebody on Twitter and they yelled back, or... Uh, sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling it because people are angry at me online. But with Roman, it's easy to talk about. With a real doctor who can prescribe a real medication, it's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation of ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. The doctor will work with you, find the best treatment plan, and if medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you for in with free two-day shipping. Just go to roman.com slash BSB to get a free online visit and get free two-day shipping. roman.com slash BSB. Erectile dysfunction it used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today and connect with the doctor and take care of it. Roman.com slash BSB. Back to the show. And we're back. Okay. We just wanted to get that out of the way. It was a it's really just, good spot. It, it drives me insane, Ryan. It drives me insane because the way you are talking about Brendan Smith getting scratched is as if it's, it matters. It's, it's little so, things that I, I care about because we cover the team. Like, no, when, I, when I see Brandon Smith, the way, I think... The way you're painting the picture, you can be upset that if, if you're taking Brandon Smith out of the lineup, you, the thing to be angry about is that you don't have a more useful human being you can put in that lineup than Michael Haley. Like, fine. You want to be angry about that? Great. I'm that's, here for that's it. That's sort Should of what I'm angry him? about because, I mean... Then, then but, call up Booney Evans. Like, call up someone that we can get a better look at that we're also not freaking out about on a nightly basis, whether they sit... Or they play at the same. But like at the same time, it doesn't matter because the fourth line played like three minutes. So what is it like? Other than Brennan Smith playing the penalty kill, I guess in the in the end all be all, it doesn't actually matter. Like it's just why should it? Like who's who's ice time on the fourth line in that game? You were Steve Fogarty, twenty six years old, yeah, having a great Steve. season in Hartford. Mm-hmm. But great story. Not a guy we're worried about having an age an NHL career. No, Kraftstaff's not up. I mean, Booty Evans, Greg, like Greg. Yeah, great. No, but nor should he be. Like the Rangers' first, the player who benefits the most from Brendan Lemieux getting hurt is Greg Howden, or Brett Howden. Greg Howden. Brett. Yes. Brett right. Howden deserves time in the top nine on the wing. He's looked good when asked to do it, and he's going to get a month of just that now. And it's the best thing that's happened to Brett Howden's developmental curve in quite some time. So if your top nine is set, and we're not worried about anyone in the top nine. We're not asking anyone to come out of the top nine. This is what we have as it is right now. That I really don't give a shit about whether the fourth line plays five minutes, six minutes, or seven minutes. It doesn't matter. This is the first time this year where we're not worried about a kid not getting a lot of ice time. We're not worried about a veteran taking away ice time from younger players. 
This is the first time the New York Rangers have a lineup that they can run out on a nightly basis and give the kids as much playing time as they want without worrying about whether this is good or bad for development. They can just let them skate. And I, I just – I get frustrated that – like, I honestly, Ryan, didn't even know Brendan Smith got scratched. It shouldn't have been a big deal. It shouldn't have even been a talking point. Who cares that the 11th, the 7th defenseman slash 12th defender is scratched on a nightly basis because we've all decided long, long ago that he is not part of the New York Rangers' significant future. So who gives a shit? Like, if he gets scratched for Michael Haley, I don't care. Like, those guys in my mind are interchangeable. The only reason they're not is because Brendan Smith, yes, does something productive on a nightly basis. At the same time, I do not care if the Rangers' penalty kill is worse. Honestly, it's better that Adam Fox gets more time on the penalty kill because now we can learn something else about Adam Fox's game. Well, so I, I, spoiler, it's good. So that's yeah, fine by it's me. It's fine. It's just yeah. like, who gives a shit if Brendan Smith plays? Who gives a shit if Mark Stahl plays? Who gives a shit if Michael Haley plays? The only time we should give a shit about these things is if they're directly impacting younger guys from being in the lineup. Hayek is still recovering, so we don't have to have this Mark Stahl conversation right now. Brendan Lemieux is hurt, so I don't care if Fogarty is up here getting to enjoy what has been well, a dream Leith of is him no longer with the New York Rangers, so there's that. But I have to say, do I, Boo seems like a wonderful guy, but he's basically just Stephen Fogarty. Like, they're just guys that are going to ride the AHL shuttle. They're going to be successful in the AHL, and they're not going to be net negatives when they come up to play five minutes a night for the New York Rangers. But they are not significant pieces to the Rangers' long-term puzzle. That's mean to say. I don't care. It's what I get paid to do. I, I don't think that's so mean to say. That's just I mean, it realistic. Is, like, if I looked Boone Evans in the face and just said, hey, Boo, uh, congratulations on all you've ever accomplished. Okay. Are but, you satisfied with never being significant but in no, the eyes he, of an NHL fan? That's every athlete. Like, every athlete, even if they play like – That doesn't like, mean it's not mean to say. Okay. It's fucking mean to say. It's just realistic. I think you've got to accept that sometimes when you're just human. That's it. Like, Boo, I think Boo, if, if you ask him deep down past all the confidence you need to have and the irrational confidence you have as an athlete, he would be like, yeah, I don't know if I can play at that level. I've been, I've tried to do it many times, and these guys are just better than me. So when you get, the, when, when you get to that level and you start playing with people that are just strictly better than you, it's not, it's a bit demeaning, and you're like, you question your own skills. Like, I've... I'm not going to compare my life to a professional sports player, but I played uh, some video games at very, very high levels. And when you start playing with the best of the best, you feel helpless. It's just like, maybe I'm not meant to do this. Um, So realistically, it is mean, but not like as mean as you're making it out to be. Sure. (laughs) Okay. All right. Let's, uh, you want to do some five-star questions? Uh, yeah. Do we miss any topics from the week? I don't think we did. I think we covered uh, pretty much Strom and, and the Kreider trades. Well, I'm sure we're going to go over Kreider trade like a million more times. It doesn't really matter. Um, okay, let's see here. Uh, first five-star question. If you want to leave a five-star question for Bullshit's Breakaway, you can go to iTunes, put in New York Rangers of Bullshit's Breakaway, and we'll show up. Leave a five-star question. We will read it on the show. This is from uh, The Ghost is Alive and Well, a commenter from before. Uh, basic question here, but does David Quinn have a new North American skater bias? I don't think so, because he plays Artemi Panarin, and Artemi Panarin is Russian, so I don't see why he'd have a bias. Is this against Kako? Because Kako has said himself, uh, even this week, like, if I want to play, I need to play better. I need to force my way into having more opportunity. And for all you people out there that tweet at me when Jack Hughes scores and such like that, I understand why you do it. I run a church about Kako. But Kako's not forcing his way, and Hughes doesn't have to force his way to get the, the playing time. Because there's no one better on the New Jersey Devils than Jack Hughes. He's the best player on the team. There's five better offensive players than Capocaca right now, at least. I mean, maybe six or seven on the New York Rangers. So Kako has a lot of work to do to get into the groove he needs to be in. And honestly, he needs to work on his acceleration and skating a little bit. But guess what, guys? He's 18. It's totally fine. He's on pace. He's doing all the normal, number, normal numbers an 18-year-old does, especially at the number two overall pick. So I'm not worried about it. Yeah. Okay. okay. Sounds that's good. All I, that's all I get. Okay. Sounds good. Uh, this is from Roselle Seven. Five star question. Happy holidays and happy New Year to you both. Thank you so much, Roselle. I've got I I got some of your merch for Xmas. Shout outs for churchcaco.com, and it's awesome. I know this question is kind of late, but what would you give up for Taylor Hall? 
What would you have given uh, up for Taylor Hall? Like as uh, specifically from this New York Rangers team? I'm guessing. Yeah, I'll, let's just say specifically that, or or of our minor league affiliates. Uh, the correct answer is nothing. Yes, I believe. Just so. because again, like if if you're if if the question is asked in a way of should the Rangers have been in on Taylor Hall? No, because the Rangers shouldn't be shopping their first round pick for rental players. They shouldn't be shopping any of their long-term assets for rental players. And honestly, I don't think there's a rental player available that makes the Rangers so significantly better that they get elevated into serious conversation about a playoff spot. Definitely not an offensive player. The Rangers scoring goals isn't really the problem at the end of the time where the sun goes down. Um, oh my god. Miserable. <laughs> <laughs> at the end of a 24-hour period. Yes. Uh, yeah, no, the New York, if the New York Rangers were serious about wanting to uh, make this year's team a playoff contender, they have to add about three defensemen. Let's they, say they, they were, let, let's say just, just for the sake of this question, the Rangers are contending for a playoff spot and they want to win the cup this year. What do they trade for Taylor Hall? Probably a first round pick and no, but uh, no, because again, the, like the question, the answer is still nothing because again, if the Rangers, if the Rangers were in a position where they were, they're competing, they're, they're comfortably in a playoff spot and they need a piece, the piece isn't Taylor Hall. So like, we're, we're, you're asking you're a hypothetical right. of you're asking a hypothetical of all right. Well, what if the Rangers were in a playoff position and their number one problem wasn't defense? Right. It's and Ro- like, Roselle does say here, what would you have given up for Taylor Hall? And both of us, the answer is nothing. So right. And I, I think the better question is, if I were the New Jersey Devils, what would I have been asking for Taylor Hall? Um, Probably Niels Lundqvist. Oh, like, if I were the Devils asking for pieces from the Rangers, yes. I mean, you don't do the deal without Keandre Miller involved, I don't think. But again, like, it's – it's. I also I, – we don't know how these – we clearly view prospects differently than how the, devil, uh, the Devils do because nobody was enamored with any of the prospects they received for Taylor Hall. So, I like, if, if you wanted to do a one-for-one, one, like, what are the – who are the comparable pieces that were given up for Taylor Hall? It was a late first-round pick, maybe another first-round pick, and guys on the level of – I think he's. I think the main prospect they got back is, like, better than Ryan Lindgren, but worse than Niels Lundqvist, I think is how it's been constantly – So not great. Apart. Yeah. Yeah, it's not great. But, like, just because the package wasn't great – the New York Rangers should have never been shopping in that aisle because if you want to go on the backs of here's what the team needs to be good, Taylor Hall is not the answer. I think this next question will be a little bit interesting. Uh, this is from El Drogen. It feels like last week's conversation about Leas requires a follow-up. The discussion of the Rangers' track record of drafting and development was a bit anecdotal. The best analysis I've seen on the draft-slash-development quote-unquote skill which looks at the difference between actual outcomes versus average expected outcomes from draft position placed for the Rangers in the bottom three. Pretty much he said the Rangers are, are the, the worst at drafting over the last 20 years. Given that reality, why hasn't Gordy Clark or the entire scouting staff been fired yet? What other organization would kind of would stand for this kind of abject failure? Interesting. I mean... Well, doing it, doing it over... To- Teams well, learn a lot over 20 years, right? Teams fuck up plenty of times. I, I think something and, that you're also, just before you go on this rant, is we didn't really have draft picks for many years. Like, so, yes, they didn't find the diamonds in the rough that other teams might have found, but I think you also have to realize how hard it is to find those diamonds. It's almost impossible. A lot of teams get lucky and pretend like they're smart. We didn't have those draft picks for, what, what was our last, before, like, 2017? 2012 was the last draft pick we had that was in the first round? And that was, uh, what's his name? Just the, the Detroit, McElrath, yes. So, it's it's easy to crit, uh, to critique a team when, they're obviously, the, the NHL players, or rather, first round draft picks are the most likely they've come NHL players, and everything after that is sort of a crapshoot. 
I think as soon as you get to the 20th pick or something like that, it falls down to like 14% or some ridiculous amount. I don't, I wouldn't consider what they're doing an abject failure. And you also, they've built the number one farm system in the NHL. Uh, so if you've done that over the past three years and your rebuild is pretty much hit an accelerated rate of what you weren't expecting, I wouldn't call it an abject failure. And like you were saying, Greg, and I'm going to let you continue, you do learn a lot from those failures. And there's also, I mean, at its core, there's a big difference between scouting and developing, right? It's the scout's job to find the talent, and then it's the system's job to develop that talent in a way that is useful for your team. Like, I I don't know the Rangers' front office structure. I don't know how much say Gordy Clark or the scouting department has in whether Philip Heedle starts the year in New York or Hartford. It would be weird to me if they had a significant say in it. Um, but if we're going to – look, if we want to pile on Leas, then you have to you, – you can't pile on one without giving credit for the other. Just like you can't applaud one team's drafting without criticizing when their draft went poorly. The New York Rangers took Carl Henriksen and Zach Jones with later draft picks, third-round draft picks in last year's draft. They're both having breakout years overseas – and both are playing strong in the World Juniors. The Rangers turned sixth-round picks like Igor Shesterkin, Lori Pujeniemi, and Morgan Barron into nothing from sixth-round picks that historically have zero NHL track record into guys that at least have NHL futures now. You turned late first-round picks in Philip Heedle, Keandre Miller, and Niels Lundqvist into three of the best prospects you have, not just in your system, but in the NHL. All of them. So right. Did, did the New York Rangers miss on Leas Anderson? Yeah. Yeah, they missed. Was Leas Anderson their priority in that year's draft? No. He was not. He was did number that, three. I don't know how many times we have to say that. Did, did taking Leas Anderson mean that the New York Rangers have never had a good draft in the history of their history? No. The over – if you want to look at it 20 years, yeah, the New York Rangers fucked up a lot. And we said Pavel this. Brendel, Pavel Brendel was miserable. That was a terrible pick. Greg, we said and this before. You, you've you've made bad. this point a million times. Heedle was supposed to go like 15 to 17 picks later than he did. And we reached up to get him. And guess what? He's probably a top 10 player from that draft now. Actually, he is a top 10 player for that draft. It's not even but a question. It's, it's, but it's not just – like if, if you evaluate guys only on their misses, you're going to say, Jesus Christ, this is terrible. And if you evaluate guys on only their hits, you're going to be like, God damn, this is the best drafting system in the entire world. It's just like – Who is that player drafting, in Buffalo drafting that inherently has not gone well? That went like to, Dra- to, to uh, What's his name? The, the, the prospect that went right after Elias. Uh, I'll think of it. We'll come back to it. Middlestad? Yeah, I think Middlestad so. Middlestad went think, right after Leeds. That's correct. Yeah, he, it's not like he's lighting it up either. And he was like no, a and very it's also, it's not like hyped up prospect. Owen Tippett hasn't played yet in the NHL. Yeah. Gabe Velarde hasn't had meaningful minutes yet in the NHL. A crazy thing happens where you can't really judge a player based on just two years after they were drafted. It's a process, which is why it's called development. And it's why people aren't done developing by the time they're 21 years old. Look, if you think the New York Rangers are shitty at drafting, I'm obviously not going to change your opinion. So I don't know why you asked the question. Uh, it's just it's inaccurate to say the New York Rangers are abhorrently terrible at doing it because if you just look at the last four years, which is really all we can judge this administration on, and this and that doesn't even account for John Davidson coming in here, the last three draft classes the New York Rangers have had have been spectacular. You don't just get named the best farm system in hockey because you have Capococco and Keandre Miller. There's a lot of work that goes into that. The New York Rangers have done quite well with that work, right? It's just like, I don't know, man. It, it's, it's weird to me. It's, we did, this, like we did this a couple weeks ago where we evaluated, and I like that question a lot. We gave grades to every single part of the organization. We came up with a nice B+. Like, the Rangers are doing a great job with what they've had. You can look at other teams around the league, and some of them have been rebuilding for years. Years! And we're about, we're like two, three years into this process, and we have one of the best players in the NHL. We have a top prospect, a top farm system. Things are good. Like, I know that we're not going to be winning a cup in the next two years, but we might come close in the next five. Like, it's we're on the right track, and we're trying to do the right things. The hard part is the timing now, and getting the timing down 
for when the youngins come up and the contracts are up at the same time. That's the really tough part. Yeah, I, I don't know. If you don't like Leah Anderson, you're not going to like Leah Anderson. That doesn't mean the Rangers had a bad draft that, that, that year. doesn't mean they had a bad draft in 2018. doesn't mean they had a bad draft in 2019. It's just you, you create the narrative you want. So it's that question is aimed at us trying to be like, oh, yeah, you're right. I guess the New York Rangers just suck at what they do. It's not going to – like, I don't know what else you want us to say that we haven't already said. Just because you don't agree with it. I think it was important fine. to still go over and say, like, listen, they've no, had – No, but that's fine. It's just like at some point, right, like whether what, – what, however you want to ask the question, you're asking me to give an answer that I don't believe in. So I, I don't know what you want me to do. Next question. Like, but, uh, yeah, exactly. Lindy's Rough is the uh, name of this person. Uh, I like that. Name of his sex tape. Yes, the athletic everyone. With the all the elite hyped defensive prospects coming down the pipeline, i.e. Rykov, Lundqvist, Miller, at what point do we start to experiment with playing some guys on their offside? And do you think having this many exciting prospects affects New York Rangers' willingness to let Tony walk slash trade him? Praise be. Praise be. Um... I think you and I stand very firmly on this, that the Rangers refuse to play guys on their offside for some reason. I, well, I would, I no, I don't, I don't think that's it, because that we've seen that they've been willing to flip Brendan Smith when necessary. We're just not there yet. Like, we don't we – don't, the New York Rangers don't have enough NHL-ready defensemen right now where we need to be – like, should they be experimenting with Adam Fox on his offhand? Yeah, because again, this year it's about the stakes are lower. Yes. Yeah, the stakes are lower. So if you want to try something that might not work, now would be the time to do it. While that's true, I also think there's a lot of value in allowing Adam Fox to just continue to be successful for a year. So let Adam Fox get a whole rookie season under his belt where he's established that, all right, Obviously, I can do this. I don't need to worry about simply surviving an NHL season anymore. And then you ask him to do something a little bit more difficult. Like, if you wanted to ask, and, and then, you know, it's it's understanding if Jacob Truba is the guy you should be moving off to his offhand. Like, would you really want to move your highest-priced defender right now to his offhand when we're still trying to figure out if his game's going to work in this stupid system the New York Rangers no, are playing currently. I'm not okay with that. Troopers look good, by the way, recently. Yeah, Shane and Troop have been a very effective defensive pairing recently. So, again, like, you don't break that one up. It's you, you make the decision to move someone on their offhand, especially a young player to his offhand, I think, when you have no other choice. And right now the New York Rangers just – they, they have plenty of choices. So I'm, I'm fine with uh, allowing Fox to play an entire year on his right hand. I'm also fine allowing Tony D'Angelo to play an entire year on his right hand because, again, your long-term goal for Tony D'Angelo might not be to have him be a New York Ranger for the next five years, but your long-term goal is to make Tony D'Angelo the best possible player he can be so that you can then make the decision to keep him or trade him. So it's I'm fine with everything the Rangers are doing with the exception of, again, like I would love it if Mark Stahl wasn't here, but – he currently isn't blocking anyone's path, so I'm not even. I'm not upset. I'm not going to be upset about it. Next question. Uh, this is from Nick Sweet Thirteen, number one Mets podcast, hands down. I was wondering what you guys thought uh, thoughts were on a package with Elias and Kreider together. If we're thinking Kreider could be could net a first and a B level prospect, would it be out of the realm of possibility that Kreider and Elias to Edmonton could net a, their first and pool party? Yes. Um, if not, what would Elias add to? Uh, Add to the trade already containing Kreider. Keep up the great works. Looking forward to hearing more of Ryan conspiracy theories. Um, I don't. I, I think we're at a point with Leo Sanderson that where it's over. Yeah, he's not. He's not a sweetener. Like you, there, are too, there are too many questions that need to be answered by Leo Sanderson himself. Where like if some team is thinking about trading their first round pick and a prospect for Chris Kreider and they're on the fence about it, you then saying, "What if we add Leo Anderson to it?" doesn't really sway them one way or the other. I think they're immediately on the phone like, uh, so, uh, yeah, that's it? Like, what are you, so you want to give your problem to me? That doesn't really add that much value. Teams don't see the value in Leas. I think maybe before the season started, you could have traded Leas for pool party in some sort of way. But now that the, the season has gone on the way it has, I don't, 
think you find that solution. Unfortunately, no. adding Leas to Kreider just doesn't – I don't see that happening because you're the person that loses value on that. You're not getting more value because you're adding Leas to a trade. You're actually losing it. Um, yeah, I think I think you're just – you're trading Leas – you're trading a broken toy for a broken toy. And it's just about trying to identify whether the broken toy you're trading for was just being played with incorrectly and that if, if there's something salvageable there. But you don't put – you don't try and trade your broken toy with a toy that has an expiration date and expect to get more than that because you're still not – you're not really adding to that deal. You just – you're really just adding another question mark to a deal that where a team is trying to decide how much they want to pay for that question mark. All right, uh, speed round for some questions. They're all pretty fun and nonsense, I think. Uh, this is from George. Why does Greg like Brocco so much? Or Brocco for Georgiev, rather. That reminds me. Uh, Dylan, Dylan Batances signing with the New York Mets. Okay. Um, wait, wait, uh, wait, hold on. How did this well, remind the, the, last, the last question started with best New York Mets podcast out there. So oh, I just, I felt okay. The need, I felt the need to say. I, by, by the way, I do like the Batances signing, but... Uh, I think you will a, never see me get excited about a Met bullpen until they start pitching in baseball. I, I think it's a good it's sign, too. Happen. I agree with you, by the way. But uh, yeah, why it's do you fine. like it's fine? By the, uh, I've seen some uh, some Brocco for Georgiev tweets other than you recently, which is that's because you create a movement, Ryan, and I got to tell you, it just starts lighting up the interwebs. I think you've talked about why you like Brocco before. He's a very talented player who was blocked in Toronto and could be played correctly or used at the NHL level with the Rangers, and is just not their top prospect, but seems obtainable at the same time. I think that's – is that what you – you've said yeah, that before, no, the, right? The Bronco, the Bronco love is simple. He's young, just 22 years old. He's uh, has a successful track record in the AHL, was their second leading point scorer in the entire league last year. And he is expendable to the Toronto Maple Leafs because he's blocked. So good, young, and expendable. Those are guys you invest in. Because they're easiest to get. And it's just, we've talked about it before. We'll, we'll do it right now. When it comes to wingers, the Rangers do not have a lot of long-term outlook on the wing, with the exception of Kravtsov. Yeah. And that's pure and pure winger. Like, will Brett Howden end up on a wing? Will guys like Carl Henriksen end up on a wing? Will any of that, right? Like, mm-hmm. really, pure wingers, Panarin, Buchnevich, Kravtsov. Those are the three guys the Rangers no, have. Two to, and Kako. Yeah, him too, I suppose. Yeah, you know, um, just a guy. Those those four guys are really what you have to build on long term. But again, going back to our Ryan Strom conversation, do I think Brocco will be significantly better than someone like Ryan Strom? No, but I think he he's younger, he's going to be cheaper, and he's going to give you similar production. So you're always looking for the next guy, some other team can overpay for on uh, the free agent market. And, I, and I, that's where my head is with Brocco. He's, he's ready for the NHL. He has nothing left to prove in the AHL, but he's stuck on a team where he can't make the jump. So I want the guy hungry to make the jump that can also add to my long-term outlook of my team. Going to do some speed questions. You cool with that? Uh, you said that before that one. I know. That wasn't a speed version. We, we kind of went deep on that. Uh, right. So, like, who do I think is going to have the most saves for the New York Mets next year? I think it's going to be Seth Lugo. You really do think that? Not, but Batantis is not going to get the chance? No. Okay. Batantis, no. <laughs> um, uh, Johnny Thundercock asks, I know he's back, how many tacos is too many tacos? Seven. I'm not a taco guy. Mike S. says, how was your – Well, holiday? hard, hard shell, soft shell. Here's soft, shell. With, soft shell, soft shell. But isn't a soft-shell taco just a burrito? No, it is not. Don't do this. Don't do this. What's the difference between a burrito and a soft-shell taco? A burrito is, a, like, totally wrapped up. Like, it, there's no okay. escaping when you have it. So just just the fact that I can, it's see, open. I can see a little bit of the meat that I'm putting in my mouth before I put it in my mouth. Makes Are we really taco. about to ask this question to all our guests from now on? Because it really feels yeah, like No, that. no. It's just like, like, explain to me, like, a soft – how do you eat soft-shell tacos? Because I wrap it up like a fucking – Pick it a blanket. No, I don't. Like I don't. It's not fully closed. Like I'm taking bits and pieces. It's like it's like. Let me explain this to you. It's like eating a okay. hot dog where it's open, and I'm taking bits and pieces. I'm not closing it all into one sort of dumpling like 
maneuver. I'm, the, go on. This this is the exact same thing of why a hot dog is a sandwich. No. Like, I can't believe we got back to this. Just well, because it is a sandwich. <laughs> Just like a soft-shell taco is a fucking burrito. Honestly, would it like, be the last episode of 2019, the last episode of the decade of Bluetooth Breakaway, if we didn't get to this? But, like, it's, I'm not I'm not criticizing. Like, it, it's like people took offense to the hot dog sandwich shit. It's like hot dogs are sandwiches, and they're both delicious. A burrito is delicious. A soft-shell taco soft shell is taco. delicious. But it's really the only difference between a soft-shell taco and a burrito, the fact that I can see the little bits of meat at the end of the soft-shell taco, but the burrito is inside until I take a bite. The burrito has more deliverability to your mouth than a soft-shell taco. So it's a different... Sort and we're of, gonna hold that against the burrito? I'm not holding it against the burrito. That's an, I love burritos; they're my favorite food. I defend them to the death. But so I don't. Why don't? What why would you just get? What is your argument here? The, it's just <laughs> it's a burrito. Like it's, it's, it's not, not a burrito even an argument. It's just I'm telling you guys that a no, soft shell taco is a burrito. Not a fucking burrito. All right. Just <laughs> like really, if we think about it, a taco is just fucking like small nachos. You ever seen a squirrel sleep? <laughs> <laughs> no, because I'm not fucking watching things sleep, Ryan. I'm a normal human being that doesn't try to hunt for other things that sleep. Good point. Mike S. says, how was your holiday season? Good. Uh, Kaj asks, what was the meaning of Christmas? Probably gifts. Uh, I don't fucking know. Why, yeah. why, how would I fucking know? Yeah, it's true. Jack you know said, what the meaning of Hanukkah was? I don't know. Yeah, uh, the Maccabees candles? took back the temple. Eight nights. Oil, Chocolates. all that good shit. Yep, presents. Jack says, how did we invent denim? Impressively, I think. Uh, I think that's about it. The rest of the real Ranger questions. Nothing really uh, – stuff we've kind of gone over. What kind of draft picks or packages do the Rangers get for Strom in his current form? It's probably a second rounder. Probably. Yeah, it's not going to happen until after the season. There's just no need – unless someone overpays you right now for Ryan Strom, why trade him? Yeah, right? that's it. Like, just keep building his value. I think I kind of answered just, it, it just it, Look, it sucks. It sucks that the Rangers traded for Ryan Strome when they weren't ready to compete. At the yeah. same time, he, he, you can turn Ryan Strome into other things that will help you win when you're ready to win. That's really all it is. You and Chuck I, Stock, fuck Tony. You, <laughs> you and I have had a great decade together. We've gone four years. We've done many episodes. We've started the church. We signed with the Athletic, and we are still doing this podcast, and we haven't killed each other yet. We, I look forward to winning a Stanley Cup for the next decade together and having a great time in the forward uh, for the rest of our lives. <laughs> After you know, that. You know, you, know what, you, know what, you know what I know pisses people off, so What's I don't that? say it much, but What's I will that? say it on the last podcast of 2019. Yes. And I know you know, that, you know this inherently. I think I've even told you, and mm-hmm. I'm sure I've even said it once upon a time on the podcast. Yep. But it's just – I know how angry it'll make some people that get to this point in this week's episode. Okay. So it's worth saying so it once six, just to get their vitriol. Six people? Okay. Yeah. Uh, I will be just so disappointed if my first championship as an adult I know. is in a New York Mets championship. We've, we've had deep conversations about this. Uh, you know I disagree, but I understand why you'd feel that way. All I want is a Ranger Stanley Cup. It's legitimately the only if thing I want in sports. <coughs> As I die. Yes. As I as I go On your to the game. Yes. If it wasn't for this podcast, I would be the most casual Ranger fan <laughs> I can think of. Like, I love I, this. I, there, no, but there are t- dude. There are times where I miss. I I obsess about the Mets so much throughout the year that I used to look forward to the winter of just being like a sporting nomad, where I could I could watch football give a shit about my fantasy teams, occasionally check in on the Rangers and the Knicks, get excited for March Madness, get through that weekend, I think and then when is... April comes around, I am 100% ready to go for baseball season. I, miss, I, I, I think that's what makes that you good, though, at the, same, at the same time. That makes you really good at what you do as a Ranger podcaster. Because... Right, because <laughs> right, at the end of the day, I don't give a shit. Yeah, that's true. I, <laughs> It, it allows like, it allows you to say what you really feel, Gregory, and that's what we yeah, all want. Yeah, because I don't I don't know I don't live and die I, with. I do. There's just a difference. It's it, but that's also what makes us good. Um, I want to thank everyone, especially our Patreon subscribers, including Ben Weber, 
uh, Eric Sag, uh, Tori from Manhattan, uh, uh, Ben Waters, who's still traveling the world, Brian Doyle. And if I miss anyone, I'm very sorry. I love you all very deeply. Um, thank you all for supporting us through this whole crazy adventure. And uh, we'll be back next week with another episode of Blue Shirts Breakaway. You can follow me on Twitter at Orion Mead, and you can follow Greg at Blue Shirts Break. And if you want to tweet at Tony D'Angelo, hey, Tony, when are you going on BSB? Can't wait to hear you on there. I'm not going to stop you. So I go. I hope you guys have a happy new year. We'll see you next decade. Greg, any parting well, words for 2019? I thought you were going to give out – I'll give out his Twitter handle. It's at Tony D07. <laughs> T-O-N-Y-D-E-E-07. Uh, I just, hope just, the Eagles lose next weekend. Just, just, I, hope, I hope he sucks. Okay. Well, just tweet it and be like, I can't wait to hear you on Blue Shirts Breakaway. That's all you say. Love you guys. Hey, man. He, he knows the deal. He knows we exist now. He knows where to find us. No, come Ain't on. nobody hiding, Tony. With Tony, just we're going to be best friends. It's okay. All right. Later, Greg. Peace out.